testimony. Yeah, as Pastor Gilbert mentioned earlier, um, yeah, uh, after many prayers and the sermons, and uh, Helen and I feel that it's the right time uh, for me to go back uh, to Trinity uh, to pursue PhD study. And I'm really grateful for uh, uh, God's grace that allowed me to uh, serve at VCBC for the past two and a half years. And uh, I appreciate and enjoy serving with all the other pastors. And I appreciate that we support each other and we really uh, work together very well. And I also uh, am very thankful for uh, many of the leaders, brothers, sisters, and support for me as I serve at uh, here. I know some of you have been praying for me uh, through the time, and, and I want to thank you for that. And I'm grateful to God that allowed me to uh, learn and grow together with the Mandarin uh, brothers and sisters and to serve together. Now, this uh, decision to go back to Trinity is uh, not a recent decision. Actually, uh, before I came here, I shared with the pastoral search committee that uh, my burden is, uh, is to do the uh, ministry, uh, the training ministry uh, for the Chinese church in long term. And uh, we will be here only for uh, a short time. Actually, our original plan was to uh, leave last year, after two years. But we thought uh, that was too short time, so we decided to stay for one more year. Even uh, at the beginning of this year, I, I was praying and uh, uh, seeking uh, God's will. And uh, uh, eventually, I decided that this is the right time to uh, go back uh, to pursue the uh, study. And uh, I really uh, appreciate and I want to thank you all for your support, for me and also for the Mandarin ministry. And as I will be leaving, uh, I want to ask you to uh, continue to support the Mandarin ministry. And probably even more, since I will be leaving and I will have more needs. And I also ask you for your prayers uh, for me and my family as we prepare the transition and the move to, uh, back to the U.S. I want to say many words, but I know today I have an important task to do, that is for preaching. And today we'll be uh, looking at Revelation chapter 4, and uh, we'll try to see um, and try to learn how we can best worship God. Now earlier, Winnie and um, has shared about the refugee situation. We saw that this world has a lot of problems, lots of evils. And we also, uh, our church also went through the past few years, and uh, many of us are distressed. And uh, we are very thankful to God that all the losses have now come to an end. But as we're looking forward, we'll be looking, seeking for God's vision. What's our church's next step? There are many uncertainties for the future. In Revelation, Apostle John faced an even more dire situation. That was at the end of the century. The Christians were facing severe persecution of the Roman Empire. Evil and corruption was filled the whole society. And John found comfort and hope in the worship of God. And today, we come before God 
to seek Him and hope to find promise, hope, and a vision from God Himself. We seek His voice. And as Winnie has earlier prayed, when we listen, hear His voice, we will obey Him and do His will. Now, before we uh, look at the Revelation 4, let's bow our head together and pray. Dear Lord God, today we come before you to hear your word. Lord, may your spirit here open our eyes to see your glory, to see your majesty. Help us to learn who you are and help us learn how to better worship you. And let all our living, let all our ministry start from worship. Lord, I ask you to help me as well. Despite my weakness, that your spirit will direct people, brothers and sisters. And there we hear you speaking to us directly. And we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. At the beginning, John looked and he saw there was a door standing open in heaven. And he saw the heavenly worship. Today I pray that in front of us, a door will be open in heaven. And we behold the heavenly worship as well. There's a great pastor called A.W. Tozer. He wrote a book called Purpose of Man, Designed to Worship. In this book, he says that our main purpose of every human being is to worship God. Our mission is to to be a true worshiper. He also said that I am of the opinion that we should not be concerned about working for God until we have learned the meaning and the delight of worshiping Him. And we all know that church needs a lot of workers. And Pastor Tozer knows that very well. But he says that we should not be concerned about working for God until we have learned the meaning and the delight of worshiping Him. William Temple says this, The world can be saved only by one thing, and that is worship. For to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. And another person says this, A robot in the sand is hard to move. But when the tide comes in, it is easy. The church is like that. When genuine worship is absent from church, she struggles to do her work. But when a tide of praise uplifts her heart, everything goes better. 
This saying shows us the importance of worship. All our life, all our work should start from the worship. We look at the Revelation 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. John said, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet said. Here, the first voice, John was referring to the voice in Revelation 1. And uh, if we look at Revelation 1, we know that's the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus like a trumpet. It's a great sound, a great voice. And here again, he says, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, Lord Jesus said, I will show you what must take place. This word must shows that God is in control. The Lord is going to show John what's going to happen afterwards. And that must take place. Even though the word John lived is in chaos, Christian was facing severe persecution. And God said, this thing that he is going to show John must take place. He is in charge. And at once, John said, I was in spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. In the heavenly worship, the first thing John saw was the throne. And the word throne is the key word in Revelation 4 and 5. Now in Revelation 4 alone, there's only 11 verses. And the word throne appeared 14 times. In 11 verses, the word throne appears 14 times. 12 times it refers to the throne of God. 2 times referring to the throne of the 24 elders. The word throne describes that God is sovereign. And also he is the judge. Not Roman emperor. God is in charge, and He will judge the world. He rules. And the next, it says that someone sitting on the throne, and that is God. And John describes that the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and a ruby. John uses precious stones to describe God, and these stones describes God's glory and majesty. And then there's a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. The rainbow also describes God's glory and majesty. But at the same time, it also points to the rainbow during the Noah's time, when God established covenant with Noah. It points to God's, our God. He is a God that makes covenant with his people. He is a faithful God. And the next, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Now regarding these 24 elders, our scholars have different interpretations. But 
majority of scholars today agree that these 24 elders represent all the saints. The 20, number 24 may refer to the 20 patriarch, uh, 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 the number 24 may refer to the 12 patriarchs of the uh, Israel and also the 12 apostles of the New Testament. So they represent all the saints, the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the number 24 may also be related to 24 divisions of priests as described in the First Chronicle chapter 24. So the 24 elders, they are the angels in heaven, represent all saints, all the saints of the Old Testament time and the New Testament time. And the white robe signifies their purity, and the golden crown signifies their uh, royal status, their majesty. And then from the throne came flash of lightning, rumbling and peals of thunder. And the lightning, the thunders, signifies God's awesomeness. And He is the judge of the whole world. And they, this, before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. And uh, these are the seven spirits of God. God is here described as the blazing fire. Shows that spirit purifies and also Holy Spirit judges. And also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Before the throne, before God, there is a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And this sea of glass signifies there is a huge vastness separating God and all his creations. There is a distance. God is wholly different from his creation. There is a sea of glass separates God and his creation. It shows God's transcendence. And in the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And then day and night, they would never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. For these four living creatures, the background, main background is in uh, the cherubim of Ezekiel 1 and the seraphim, uh, seraphim in uh, Isaiah 6. Some speculate that these four living creatures are related to the four Gospels. The lion is related to the Gospel of Matthew, um, emphasizing that Jesus is the king. Ox is related to the Gospel of Mark, emphasizing Jesus as a servant. And uh, man, the face of man, uh, is related to the Gospel of Luke, emphasizing Jesus' humanity. And uh, the flying eagle is related to the Gospel of John, emphasizing Jesus' divinity. 
But this is only the speculation. No one can prove that's what uh, these four living creatures uh, uh, signify. And today, most of scholars uh, believe that these four living creatures uh, represent the whole creation, the whole created world. They represent the whole creation sitting before God. And uh, next, it describes the worship of the four uh, living uh, creatures. And then, verse 9 to 11, describes the worship of the four elders. So this is a scene of heavenly worship and is a model for us to imitate. And we are called to join the heavenly worship to worship our God. Now from this passage, I want to talk about two things we can learn from this heavenly worship. How to better worship our God. First, we learn that why do we worship God? From the worship of the four living creatures, they said, day and the night, without, without ceasing, they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The four living creatures worship God because He is holy. And the passage here uses three times Holy, holy, holy. When Bible repeats a word, it means that it's very, very important. When Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, Jesus emphasized what he is going to say is very important. And the Bible repeats a word three times. That means it's extremely important. And that character is extremely emphasized. God is holy, holy, holy. And this thrice repetition also appears in Isaiah 6. At that time, Isaiah saw a heavenly vision. And he saw the worship in the heavenly court. And the seraphs with, two, with six wings, two wings cover their faces, with two they cover their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And that's our God's holiness. And as the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shocked, and the temple was filled with smoke. Holiness of God signifies two things. On the one side, it means God's uniqueness. Holy means it's set apart. It's unique. It's different. God is, God is wholly different from us. It emphasizes God's transcendence. God is, God is far above us. On the other side, it also signifies God's moral purity and goodness. His absolute purity without any blemish. The holiness of God, on the one hand, is a danger to human beings. Like Isaiah, he said, Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. 
my eye, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then the one of seraphs flew to me with a live, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. When it touched, uh, with it he touched my mouth and said, "See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for." Before this holy God, even the mighty seraphs, at the sound of their voices, the whole court was shaken. But these mighty seraphs, they had to cover their faces with two wings and cover their feet with two wings because they are before this holy God. The mighty angels have to cover their face and cover their feet before this holy God. And that's the holiness of our God. And realizing that God is holy, realizing God's transcendence has important implications for our relationship with God. Today we emphasize so much of God's grace and God's love. Emphasize that God is our friend. It's true that God is gracious and He loves us so much. And Jesus even called us His friend. But we have to remember when Jesus calls us, or calls, calls us his friend, we are not to treat him as we treat our buddy. Sometimes we treat God as our buddy, like our buddy. But God is not our buddy. He is our Lord. He is a holy God. Only when we realize, realize God's holiness, God's transcendence, and we'll, we'll come to understand how amazing it is that God become flesh and live among us. And He calls us His friend. And this is amazing grace and nothing to be taken for granted. And we are to fall down before His feet and worship Him. And that's God's holiness the reason we need to worship Him. Second, the four living creatures said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is the Lord God Almighty. Both the words Lord and God describe that God is sovereign. He is in charge of the whole universe. He rules. And He is the Almighty God. Just like the throne, the word throne we have uh, talked about earlier. God rules and He is the Almighty God. And He was and is and to is to come. He was and is and is to come shows that God is, God is eternal. But not only that, it also shows that God reigns the past, the present, and the future. God reigns in the past, and that we agree. Reigns in the future, and that we also believe. And we also remember, God also reigns today. And we can trust Him and rely on Him. And that's the message John received in the midst of all the 
disaster and the persecution. He can rely and trust this God, the Lord God Almighty. The third reason that we worship God is in the worship of the 24 elders. And they said, Therefore you created all things, and by your will it were created and have their being. Our God is the creator. Our existence comes from him. Creator the whole world and also give us life. And we belong to him. He owns us. And that's the reason, another reason that we worship him. Not only that he created us, also that by his will we have our being. That our existence is sustained by God, by his will. Many Bible passages talk about God's creation and calls us to worship him. For example, Psalm 33, 6-9, let's read together. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The second passage we have just read at the beginning of the worship, similarly, it describes that God is the creator, and we are called to worship him. So we worship God because he is the holy God. He is sovereign. He is the Lord God Almighty. And he is the creator. Second thing we can learn from this passage about worship is how we shall worship God. In uh, verse 9 it says, When the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him and worship our God. Here, it shows that the, the posture they use is fall down before God and the worship. Not only this word fall down, it describes that posture. Actually, the word worship itself also implies that posture, that attitude. In the Bible, um, one word that is used most for worship in the Old Testament is Hava. That's the most used word in Old Testament for worship. And the meaning of Hava is to bow down. To worship. In the Old Testament, use the word bow down as the worship. And the New Testament use the word proskuneo. And the meaning of that word is to express in attitude and gesture one's complete dependence on or, submit, or submission to a high authority figure. Fall down and worship. Do obeisance to. Prostrate oneself before. Do reverence to. Welcome respectfully. And that's the word worship in the New Testament. And that shows the bow down, fall down, 
is the posture we use to worship God. And that outside, outward posture is an indication of our inward attitude to God, our reverence to God. We are to bow down, to fall down before God and worship Him. And that's our proper relationship to Him. And then the 24 elders lay their crowns before the throne and says, You are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. We worship God by giving Him what is His. The glory, honor, and power is His. He is worthy. Worship is His. He is worthy of our worship. We give Him what is His. Actually, the English word worship in Old English is, is come from worship. That God worship is worship. God is worthy. He is worthy to receive glory, so we praise Him and glorify Him. He is worthy to receive honor, so we honor Him. He was worthy to receive power, so we submit to Him. We are also to lay our crowns before the throne. Laying our crowns before the throne means we submit to Him. At the Roman times, when, when the, uh, uh, another king, there was an example, a Persian king, Tiridates, when they submit to Roman emperor, the Persian king Tiridates comes to the Roman camp and he put, he takes down his crown and lays his crown at the feet of the Nero's statue to show that he submits to Roman emperor, that his kingdom submits to the Roman empire. Today we are also to take our crown and lay before our God. And what may be our crowns? Crown is something we are proud of. We, look, we see as our honor. Our crown could be our degrees, could be our wealth, could be our position, could be our wisdom, or our experience, or our capability. And those things that we are proud of, we, we feel it's our honor. And this Bible passage calls us to lay all of them before the feet of God, to submit ourselves to Him. Today we learn to be a true worship. To be a true worshiper, first we need to learn who God is and make appropriate response. We know who God is and treat God he is the holy God. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is our creator. And we respond to this knowledge. That in the four spiritual laws that I like very much. It shows two circles that represent two kinds of life. The left side is a self-directed life. And the right side is Christ-directed life. Now in the picture, there's a Chinese character that says, Wo, that's uh, self. Um, self. Self sits on the throne. I'm in charge of my life. And the cross represents Christ. He's outside of my life. I do not know him or he has nothing to do with my life. And the thoughts 
uh, uh, represents all the, our uh, life events. They are in chaos. And the right side, Christ is on the throne. And myself came down from the throne and is yielding to Christ. And uh, my life event is now directed by Christ, resulting in harmony with God's plan. And every Christian, when we believe in God, we are supposed to go from the left side to the right side. However, I have observed that that's not all. There's a third circle where cross is part of life. But the one sitting on the throne is still self, but not Christ. I'm afraid that many times in our Christian life, we are like that. We love the salvation of God. We love all the benefits that's brought by this salvation, this God's grace. So we welcome cross into our life. But we are still sitting on the throne. I am in charge of my life. Today our church lacks power. Today our Christian life lacks power. Because many times we are described as a middle circle. And brothers and sisters, that's not the right way to be. We are supposed to let Christ sit on a throne. And we bow down before his throne. Worship him and follow his direction. Today we learn from the heavenly worship. We see that God is holy, almighty, and he is a great creator. He sits on the throne. He is in charge. He is our Lord and our God. We fall down before him and worship him. And we submit ourselves to Him. When we come to church to worship, we are not only joining a group of Christians, not joining a gathering. We come to meet our King, our God. Now I would like to invite everyone of you, everyone of you, as we pray that you will kneel down before God together with me. Now, a few of our seniors, or some of you that is difficult to kneel down, you can stay uh, seated or stand up. But the rest of you, I invite you to kneel down before our God together with me, and we'll pray together. Dear Lord God, you are our Lord and our God. You are holy, holy, holy. You are seated on your throne, your rule, and you are our creator, and we belong to you. Today we fall down before you together and worship you. And we confess and declare 
that you are our Lord and our God. And to you are all glory and honor and majesty and power. Hallowed be your name. May your will be done in our life as it is in heaven. Lead us to go out and proclaim your kingdom. And use us as your vessel so that your will be done in the world, on earth, as it is done in heaven. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.